Welcome to Starting Points, a podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. Starting Points is designed to be an entryway into a person's study of the Bible. Each episode will look at major sections or individual books of the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis through Revelation. Starting Points is designed to help you begin your journey of studying the Word of God for yourself, or if you've been reading the Bible for a long time, to bring a fresh perspective. Today we will be looking at the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. Now, you may know the story of the book of Exodus from a movie. Depending on your age and background, maybe you know the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Now, that movie was made long before I was born, but, you know, as a kid, it was one of those movies uh, that was on every Easter on a Sunday night, you know, Easter Sunday night, and you always saw that movie on TV. Maybe uh, you're from, you know, my brother's age or younger, and you had The Prince of Egypt, which was a cartoon that came out in the 90s. It had a fantastic Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey song. Um, Maybe that's how you know the story of the Exodus. But the story of the Exodus is the story of God delivering his people, his people from captivity and their exodus from that captivity in Egypt and returning to the promised land. Now, as with all of the first five books of the Bible, the book of Exodus was written by Moses primarily. Now, there are parts in this book and in several uh, Old Testament books that It's mostly written by Moses, but there's little bits at the end where obviously somebody came in later and finished the story. And whether that was Joshua, Moses' successor, or whether it was the high priests Eleazar and Phinehas who are credited with finishing the book of Joshua, or maybe it was Samuel the prophet who sometimes gets uh, a credit for that. We, We aren't sure. But it's understood that they would have written everything up until their death, and then it was understood, you know, what they obviously didn't write beyond their life. So, uh, generally speaking, the book is written by Moses. Uh, The descendants of Abraham came to the land of Egypt at the end of Genesis. And, of course, Joseph, if you know the story of of Joseph, that he had become and sold into slavery by his brothers sinfully, uh, and then ended up God brought him to a place of being the the second in command for the entire kingdom of Egypt. And his family came down during a time of famine and found safety and provision. And so Joseph, uh, you know, found a place for them there and they stayed. And then along came a Pharaoh who did not know how the people of Israel had gotten into his land. Uh, He didn't care about history, whatever it was, and so he enslaved the people, and so instead of being people that were sojourners living in the land, they were now enslaved, and God delivered them from their slavery, and that's what Exodus is all about. It's about deliverance and dedication. The first half of the book is really about deliverance, that the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years, give or take, and God raised up a deliverer named Moses to lead them out of their bondage and to the promised land. The second half of the book, everybody misses this part. After they crossed the Red Sea, it wasn't a straight shot to the promised land. In fact, what happened was they went further into the wilderness on the other side of the Red Sea to the mountain called Sinai. And it was there at Mount Sinai that God dedicated his people to himself. 
and the Ten Commandments were given, and the law was given, and God said, I will be your God. You will be my people if you keep my commands. If you do this, then I will bless you. If you do not keep my commands, then there will be curses and consequences from not obeying me. So the first part of the book is about being delivered from bondage. The second part of the book is about being dedicated to God. This is a human story. One of the questions that we ask on starting points is what's the human story of the book of the Bible? And for Exodus, it really is a human story. People in bondage. We see this all over the place. People are in bondages of all kinds, shapes, and forms. I've just come to the place where I believe that every person I meet is dealing with something under the surface that nobody knows about. And, and maybe it's, it's a bondage of trauma. Maybe it's a bondage of doubt. Maybe it's a bondage of sin. Maybe it's a whatever. We're all dealing with things, and God delivers us. But he doesn't just deliver us out of captivity, but he gives us the opportunity to be dedicated to him, to be separated to him, to enter into his covenant. But unlike the old covenant, which didn't work, you know, if you do this, then I'll bless you. If you don't do this, I'll curse you. We are just blessed that we give ourselves to Jesus. We say, I surrender. I give my life to you. I follow you. And we live in his blessings. Even when I screw up, even when I don't do everything I'm supposed to, I still live in the blessings. It's so much better. So the, the human story of the book of Exodus is a people who are in bondage, who are delivered. There's, all, there's also a bunch of other human stories. Moses was a has-been. He wasn't a never-was. He was a has-been. Moses, if you know the story, The Pharaoh saw the people of Israel as a threat because God was prospering them and multiplying them. And even in their slavery, they were being successful. And so he said, all of the firstborn male children I'm going to have killed so that their numbers will reduce and they will just fade away. And then I won't have to deal with this problem anymore. Well, Moses' parents loved their son and did not want that fate for him, so they hid him as best they could until he was about two years old. And then they, they said, we can't hide him anymore, but we, we're just going to have to trust God. So they put him in this floating basket, and they let him float down the Nile River, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and adopts him, and all of a sudden he is now the prince of Egypt. And then at one point, he actually tries, he re- finds out who he is. He knows he's a, actually a Hebrew. And so he goes and he tries to deliver his people and he kills one of the Egyptian slave drivers and his people reject him. So he has to flee. And for 40 years, he lives in exile. For 40 years, he's forgotten. Whatever happened to that adopted prince? Well, he killed one of the slave drivers and the people rejected him. So he fleed into obscurity and forgotten. He's a has-been. And yet God called him. And how many people have felt like that? They felt like the, the parade has passed them by, that the, the, the ship has sailed. And God says, oh yeah, I've got plans for you. I'm not done with you yet. There's also a very human story of the failure of human saviors because Moses was a bad savior. And, and here's this guy who's supposed to be the deliverer and all the way through, man, he is just screwing up and God has to come in and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of this. Human saviors often fail, but we are so prone to trust in them. The only hope, that the only one that's never failed is Jesus. But we say, oh, I'll just trust in this person. They'll save me uh, relationally or, or I give my uh, loyalty or my allegiance or my money or my vote or whatever. They'll save me. When's that ever helped? You don't like the current president, so you think the next president will save me. You don't like the next president, so you think the one after that. It'll never, never work because they fail. Jesus has never failed. 
Now, one of the questions that we ask in starting points with each book of the Bible is what are the landmines? What are the tricky bits? What are the controversial points? Oh, there are some. So the two big ones for Exodus are first the miraculous. The book of Exodus is full of the miraculous. The crossing of the Red Sea is the big one everybody knows about. The plagues of Egypt is another one. But the, all through the burning bush, uh, the, this, there's all through the book of Exodus, the miraculous, the supernatural. I personally, we as a church, unapologetically believe in the supernatural. We believe that God works in miraculous ways that are beyond our understanding. But it's tricky. People say, oh, that's just fairy tale, the idea that they crossed the Red Sea. So then there was this theory that before the Suez Canal, if you don't know, the, you know, the Suez Canal was uh, not there <laughs> during the Exodus. It's, it's you know, only a few, what, few hundred years old. But, but there was the Red Sea, which is what we all think of, and then there was the Sea of Reeds, which was this kind of marshland. And supposedly, uh, when the wind got big enough, because the marshland was very shallow, it's kind of like the San Francisco Bay, where there's parts of the San Francisco Bay that are incredibly shallow. I think under the San Mateo Bridge on the south end, it's maybe like four feet deep. It's, in some places, it's even less. Um, there have been times, you know, I used to live in, in the Bay Area, and, uh, you know, you drive over um, San Rafael Bridge uh, between Richmond, north, north of Oakland, ac across to uh, the other side of the peninsula, and you drive across that, and you'd look down as you're driving, and you could see the, the silt. Uh, the, you know, the, the bay was, was very, very shallow. And if the wind blew, you know, sometimes these, these uh, silty bottoms would just become exposed sandbars because the wind had blown, a, you know, the water kind of off of it because it was so shallow. So people have said, oh, it's the Sea of Reeds. And that's what, you know, there was just a big wind and it blew it and so they crossed. Have you ever seen exposed silt? How on earth are people and livestock and carts and all that stuff going to cross? They would get stuck immediately. If, if, if it was the Sea of Reeds and it was just a big strong wind, then the miracle happened because God hardened supernaturally the muddy, silty bottom of the Sea of Reeds. I, I don't believe that. I believe that God literally parted the Red Sea unapologetically. The other tricky part, the other landmine, sort of, so to speak, in the book of Exodus is it's the introduction of the Old Covenant Law. Now, we'll get more into that when we get into Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but the Old Covenant Law, the, you know, these, these rules and, you know, no bacon, no shrimp, what, what's going on? Why is that? Do we have to obey the Sabbath? All of that is kind of introduced in the second part of the book of the Exodus. And uh, like I said, put a pin in that. We'll get into that when we get into Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but those are landmines, tricky bits in the book of Exodus. Finally, the last question we always ask is, where is Jesus seen. <clears throat> Where is Jesus seen? Well, first, multiple times in the Bible, we are told that Moses is a picture, or sometimes you hear this referred to as a type of Jesus. He's typology-wise a picture of Jesus. And I believe that's true. Moses is a picture of Jesus. A savior who comes and delivers people out of bondage. And not only are we delivered, but we cross through miraculously and enter to the promised land that God will bring us to. Enter into a new covenant, a new relationship. 
So in that sense, he is a picture of Jesus. And Exodus is a picture of deliverance, that we have been delivered and we have been set free. And Jesus isn't just saying, oh, you guys are forgiven, but you're still stuck in your, in your bondage until, the, you know, until you die. That we are being delivered now and the work that God is doing is here and now. Jesus is seen because he is our deliverer. And we are in the Exodus spiritually from this world of death and sin. Also, we see that we need Jesus because Moses, like I said, he's a, he messes up and he fails, but Jesus has never failed. And even if Moses had never done anything wrong, which he did a lot of things wrong, even then, even then, Jesus is superior because Jesus is eternal. Jesus didn't die and, and stay dead. He died and conquered death and rose from the dead. And all leaders will eventually fail because all leaders will die. But Jesus has risen from the dead. And Jesus is active, working, and present in this world, in the lives of Christians, in the world around us today through his spirit. I want to thank you for joining us for another Starting Points episode. New episodes are released on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our Facebook page. You just have to search Faith on Hill. All of our online content is also available on faithonhill.com in the online gathering section. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. For church services, we gather throughout the week in small groups. And finally, if you have any Bible questions, maybe there, you know, you say, hey, I've always had this question and it's you know, in this book of the Bible and you send it in, adam at faithonhill.com and we get to that book of the Bible, we can take a look at it. Well, we'll be back next time for a look at the book of Leviticus. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Starting Points. <laughs>